Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. Today our topic is strategic planning in law firms, from consensus to nuts and bolts implementation. Joining us is John Remsen, Jr., one of the nation's leading authorities on law firm leadership, management, marketing, business development, and most importantly for today, strategic planning. Welcome, John. Uh, well, good morning, Julie. Nice to be here. Good morning. Uh, John, you serve as the in-house marketing director for two major law firms, so you have an in-the-trenches perspective. Let's start off with the obvious. Why do law firms need a strategic plan? Well, you know, I think, in essence, law firms are our businesses, and uh, it's gotten very, very competitive, and clients are more and more demanding. And if you don't have a, a path to where you want to go, you're sort of out there as a rudderless ship, bouncing around in the ocean, moving with the tides, and reacting, reacting. And I think it's important, any businessman would tell you, uh, to have a, a business plan that sets forth where you're going and, and how you're going to get there. And I think law firms are no exception to that uh, sort of notion that uh, absent a plan, any any path will get us there. So um, planning is important in the context of, of running a successful law firm in, in today's environment. Now, as we all know, partners and owners don't like change. And strategic planning is all about change. How do you convince them that change is crucial to future profitability and productivity? Well, <laughs> well it certainly isn't <laughs> easy. And you're absolutely right. Lawyers uh, are very resistant to change. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are very risk-averse as well. Anything they perceive as untried, uh, untested is risky, and uh, they don't like going there necessarily. Uh, We do programs for managing partners of law firms, and among our faculty members is a psychologist named Dr. Larry Richard. Uh, Larry was a, a lawyer in private practice for many years, worked for Hildebrandt Altman Weil, he underscores uh, uh, the lawyer personality through psychological profiles and has surveyed thousands of lawyers to sort of take a look at that lawyer personality, what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. What tends to make them great lawyers uh, makes them not so good business people. And Larry's research, this is not just notion or concept, this is fact, uh, will, will tell us that lawyers have a high sense of urgency uh, they're not patient people. They want to see immediate uh, results of what they do. Uh, they don't like change. They don't like risk. They love autonomy. So mm-hmm. you can see where it's very difficult to bring a group of lawyers to the same page, uh, shared goals, vision for the future, get everybody rowing in the same direction. It is no easy challenge, especially if they've never done it before. So what I like to do, Julie, is, is give them facts, give them statistics, Give them precedent. That's what lawyers respond to. And the facts are clear. Firms that plan outperform those that don't. Uh, We do surveys of managing partners through our our conference series and uh, through our website, Managing Partner Forum, and we've asked flat out, and this is mostly mid-sized firms, say 10 to 150 lawyers, does your firm have a plan? About 40% will say, yes, we do. It's in writing. And in most cases, they do follow it. We follow that up with, can you attribute improved performance, improved profitability, improved cohesiveness to your plan? 90% say yes. That's pretty compelling. 
Uh, I think as well you can look to the MLAW 200, the NLJ 250. Uh, I can guarantee you each of those firms have a firm-wide strategic plan, and they're investing resources, both time and money, uh, Mm -hmm. in in implementing that plan. Uh, The distancing between those AMLAW 200 and the rest of the pack uh, is only increasing, and I think much of it is, is to the fact that they do think and act more like businesses, less like loose confederations of sole practitioners, and, and that means a plan. So I think examples, precedent, uh, go a long way toward convincing lawyers uh, that this is not just something that we should think about. Uh, it's something we need to do to survive in these competitive uh, and changing times. Yes, but that first so, uh, step is always the hardest. Am I right, John? Oh, absolutely it is. Uh, so you know, getting folks best... engaged, yeah. uh, getting folks bought in, um, selling them that this is important to our future. So what's the best way to begin the strategic planning process? Well, if a firm's never done it before, I mm-hmm. think it's important to engage all the owners of the firm, uh, the partners, and ask them where they see this firm going. And you know that leads to the question, do you bring in an outside consultant or do you try to do this on your own? And I'm going to sound a little self-serving here, but I think it's important to work with someone who's done this, who works with law firms. Um, it's not rocket science, but bringing in that independent outside expert really helps move the process along. But, but as we get started, I think it's important to engage the owners. And I like to do it a couple of different ways, one through a series of interviews, confidential, off the record, where do you see this place looking out five years? Where do you think we should be given where we currently sit in the market in terms of our uh, client base, in terms of our uh, competitors and the, sort of the niches they've carved out, uh, in terms of our, uh, our personalities and the skill sets our lawyers possess? Uh, I, I like to look at a five-year uh, uh, look into the future. Uh, when I started consulting 15 years ago, I would challenge firms to look out 10 years. What do they see? I think that's a little too far down the road. But five years, what do you Realistic. see in terms, mm-hmm. in terms of practice mix, client mix, firm size, and geographic footprint? What sort of initiatives do you think we should put into play to move us in that direction? Have those conversations. They're engaged. They're involved. Another way to do this as well, in addition to interviews, is an online survey, confidential, where you can ask your lawyers questions as to where they see opportunities, where we need to improve. Um, That's a nice instrument because people can provide their input anonymously, and we'll often uh, separate uh, input from the partners, the non-equity partners, the associates, many firms include staff. I strongly encourage that firms include their staff, their senior uh, administration, particularly in this planning process. They have great ideas. They're going to be involved in much of the implementation. So, so get them engaged. And I think by getting folks involved, um, they're much more likely to buy into the end product, sort of a bottom-up approach, as opposed to the managing partner or the executive committee dictating stuff, uh, get right. folks engaged, um, and try to bring folks to shared vision and, and get folks rowing in the same direction. Uh, a lot of firms will include clients as part of their planning process. I recommend that. Um, 
but many firms are reluctant to do that. I think they perceive it as a little risky to go out and talk to their clients about where they see the firm, its strengths, its weaknesses, its opportunities. I think it's important as well to uh, consider where the niches your competitors have carved out. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are the growing industries in your region, in your state? And why not ride those industry trends? Healthcare, nice niche to be in right now mm-hmm. and into the foreseeable future. Insurance defense, you know, general liability. I'm not sure I'd want to target that for more work given uh, the demands the insurance industry places on law firms. So those are, I think, some, some suggestions to get the ball rolling. Make the case. Uh, invariably, you're going to have skeptics among the partnership. Lawyers tend to be skeptical, Dr. Richard will tell us. Uh, <laughs> so make the case yeah. and, uh, and get them involved. And what's interesting for me, Julie, is oftentimes the naysayers. Uh, I don't need to be involved in this process. Uh, I don't believe that we need to be doing this. And by the time I arrive on the scene, uh, a senior, how come I'm not on the interview list? Well, you know, we asked you four or five times. You didn't seem all that interested. But once they get the feeling that something's up, <laughs> they want to uh, be involved. going to happen as a result yeah. of this. They want to be involved. Sure. And um, it's a process. The planning is not something you do once and then uh, and, and forget about it. I think it's something that a firm should should always be looking to improve, revisit its plan, uh, make its important decisions in the context of its plan. Um, but as I say, firms that do go through this exercise and um, and and have strong leadership to um, you know get the plan done will find themselves in a much better spot a year, two years from now. Than they are well, today. let's fill up our sleeves. Uh, we've talked okay. about strategy. Let's get down to tactics. Sure. What are the critical keys to successful implementation? Well, I think first and foremost, keeping it simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a tendency for firms to come up with a laundry list of things they could do, should do, ought to do, and it's probably a pretty good list. Mm-hmm. But we can't do it all. I think it's really important to focus on just a handful of goals and objectives, meaningful goals and objectives, that if we successfully implement, uh, we'll be in that better spot in a year from now. Don't try to take on too much too fast. That's a natural tendency um, because there are lots of good ideas we're working with here. But uh, I think one of the most important aspects of the plan, once you get all that input, is to, to distill it to just a handful of goals. Uh, I, I, I would challenge a firm to come up with no more than three. Three major goals. Keep it simple. Uh, I think specificity, who, what, where, when, is really important to articulate in the plan. An example might be, well, we want to get closer to clients. Great objective. Great objective. Uh, but how are we going to do that? Are we going to throw them a party? Are we going to go visit them at their businesses? I call those client site visits. Uh, are we going to wine them and dine them in a fairly organized and, uh, and proactive manner? What specifically are we going to do to get closer to clients? Um, I think as well to empower an individual to get it done. Accountability. Uh, firms will go through a planning drill, 
great, great goals, and it falls flat due to lack of leadership, lack of accountability. As you mentioned, Julie, this is all new stuff. Mm-hmm. Lawyers don't like new stuff. And so um, if it doesn't do well, boy, the skeptics are going to come out of the woodwork. So a handful of goals, let's get them done. Let's appoint individuals who will take it on and get it done. I, I caution against setting up task forces and committees to execute elements of a plan, but rather an individual who gets things done, uh, who's passionate about the, the particular initiative for, for which he or she is charged. And would have so a high accountability. Of, absolutely. I'm, I'm sorry? And would have a high degree of accountability. Absolutely. 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 And I think then the managing partner's role, Julie, is to, hey, hey, Bill, thanks for taking on that, that, uh, that goal. Really important to the firm. Uh, what can I do to help you meet your deadline? And now the leadership of the firm is helping that partner uh, who's, who's leading the charge uh, accomplish that goal within the plan. And I think, importantly, rewards and recognition. This is non-billable stuff. And as we know, many law firms are hardwired to the billable hour. And non-billable stuff tends to fall by the wayside, oftentimes. So I think it's important to recognize and reward those lawyers and staff members, for that matter, who step up and play roles in successful implementation. Planning without implementation is sort of a colossal waste of time. I agree. Well, let's circle back and talk about profitability. How can strategic planning improve the bottom line? Well, I think for a couple of things. First, I think that enhanced profitability is better found on the revenue side than on the slashing expenses side. In 2008, when the Great Recession uh, hit us, hit us hard, hit law firms hard, and many went into expense-slashing mode. And they, they, they cut the firm retreat. They cut the budget for technology. They cut the budget for marketing and business development. Uh, pretty short-sighted, in my opinion. But that's what many firms did. Um, they went into expense-slashing mode and found some savings. But generally, law firms are run pretty efficiently. And I think the money and the profitability is on the revenue side. So what specifically can we do to enhance profitability? Well, I think we can do a much better job in most cases with our billing and collections practices. Uh, Let's make sure we're getting our time in, we're getting our bills out, and our bills are formatted in such a way that clients want to pay. So training our lawyers and partners on time entry, on time management, on on the importance of, of getting our bills out the door. And then on the flip side, collections. Uh, taking credit cards, uh, you know, once a, fir- a client becomes 60 days past due, you know, we got to have a conversation. We just don't continue working on a file, uh, but our collections practices. So there we can see some fairly immediate results if we do a better job when it comes to billing and collections, and I find a lot of firms are pretty sloppy in this area. I think another thing we can do is look at our rates, and are there opportunities for us to bump up our rates? Um, in many cases, law firms have, haven't gone and raised rates in three, four, five years. It's time to take a look at our standard rate schedule and look at opportunities to bump up rates for new matters, new clients, 
and you know, let's look at our existing clients and for whom we haven't uh, haven't seen a rate increase. And it may not be the partner rate. Uh, maybe we get it to the associate and paralegal level. Uh, it's still bringing in revenue. It has a direct impact to the bottom line. So there's another strategy we might look at. I think uh, in the longer term, um, marketing and business development to market our way toward uh, more lucrative uh, 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 practice areas. Uh, clients who, who recognize value and are willing to, to pay fees. Uh, I do quite a bit of work for defense firms, and many of them are looking to work away from you know, traditional insurance defense, workers' comp defense, which is very low-margin work, toward you know, areas self-insured, um, bad faith and coverage, where they can achieve higher rates, but putting a very deliberate plan in place to make that happen. Uh, I think you know, let's look at our intake and make sure that we are doing a very, very good job as we on-ramp clients. And we've got a good engagement letter that uh, requires a retainer for a new client. Um, and if you can't fork up a big retainer, maybe you can't afford our law firm. Uh, and late fees. And certainly take credit cards. So, so those are just a couple of examples of things a firm Excellent. can do to improve profitability and incorporate into its firm-wide strategic plan. Uh, chronic underperformance is another thing uh, that firms are often reluctant to address, particularly among senior equity partners. Um, I think you know, addressing chronic underperformance is something that firms need to, to do. And, um, and, and, you know, you're running a business, not a fraternity. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as you become an par equity partner in a law firm, it's not tenure. It's important you maintain your contributions and, and your, your productivity uh, to remain an equity partner of a law firm. So now, John, those are some of the things we common address to, to get right yeah. at profitability. Excellent. You've worked with firms of all sizes. But what about the smaller firms and solos? What process mm -hmm. do you recommend? Much the same. I, I think mm -hmm. it's a matter of scale. And um, uh, even a sole practitioner, uh, particularly a sole practitioner, I think have a real clear vision as to where he or she wants to take that practice. I'm a big proponent of niching and not trying to be all things to all people. Clients want specialists, not generalists. So as yes. a solo, you know, what is your niche? What do you want to be perceived as? Uh, uh, you know, I think the concept of a go-to law firm in your self-selected niche uh, where you can command premium fees and attract desired clients and um, enjoy what you do. Um, so I think that niching concept really, really important. I'm a sole practitioner. Um, oh. And I'm real clear on what I'm after. Uh, Mid-sized law firms in the United States, uh, 15 to, say, 150 lawyers. And I'm very focused on the leadership of those firms and do a lot with ALA and, uh, and other organizations as well to promote my uh, reputation as a go-to consultant if you're a law firm looking for some help uh, to enhance strategy, profitability, what have you. So I, I think, you know, I hear a lot from smaller firms, we can't afford this stuff. This is big firm stuff. Uh, no, it's not. I think it's even more important to smaller and smaller firms um, to, to, you know, have, have their eye on the ball as to where they want to take that firm 
and get those owners on board. I think succession planning is also really, really important, often neglected. And we could have a whole different a podcast just on that coming up. Oh, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's such so neglected. Um, we, really? we do a lot of polling of managing partners and ask them to kind of grade how their firm's doing in certain areas of performance. And succession planning is one of those areas that is, is often neglected. Um, you know, founding partners not, not knowing when it's time to step back <laughs> and ride mm-hmm. off to the sunset. Right. Uh, and, and not doing a particularly good job training the younger lawyers to take, take the place over uh, when, when they do decide to, uh, to step back and move on to other endeavors. So um, this is important, and it's not a big firm thing. And just in briefly, what are the features of a good strategic plan? Well, my friend, um, 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 oh, his name's escaping me. He's a managing partner of a Brian Burke managing partner of a big firm in Indianapolis for many, many years. And uh, one of his notions is if your plan can't fit on a 3 by 5 index card, it's too long. <laughs> so, so here we come back to keep it short, keep it simple. I think specificity, we talked about some of this earlier, yep. specificity. I think sharing that plan with the associates, with the staff, uh, they're engaged in its implementation and if we're going to get closer to clients, for example, uh, I think our associates and staff uh, have, have a role to play to achieve that. They're stakeholders, too. Absolutely, they are. And as I say, they have great ideas, and a, and a great uh, assistant could, could make a lawyer look really good <laughs> or not so good. And so these folks want to know that they're on a ship that has a sense of purpose, has a port of call in mind. Um, they want to know where the firms go on the Gen X, Gen Y, millennial issue frustrates a lot of firm leaders. Uh, they want to know. They have questions, um, and, and staff as well really do care about the firm, its future. They should know what the plan is and what their role is to achieve its implementation. So specificity, sharing it, updating it. Uh, I think, you know, at least once a year, let's take a look at our plan, how we're doing on implementation, raise the bar. Um, it's not something we do once and then, you know, shove in a desk drawer and, and don't look at again. I think keeping the plan realistic and achievable, and hence the limited number of goals and objectives. Let's just take on a handful of things. One of my friends, Tom Grella, he, uh, he's very involved in the ABA's law practice management section, chaired it for many years and he wrote a book on strategic planning. Uh, he runs a 40-lawyer shop in Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, one of the first books ever written on law firm strategic planning. And uh, you, can, you can find it on Amazon, I'm sure. But uh, he's re- totally rethought, he shares with me the other day, uh, his approach to law firm strategic planning, and his firm adopts a BHAG. Uh, and I go, what's a BHAG, Tom? And it's a big, hairy, audacious goal. His firm just focuses on one goal for the year. Uh, so interesting how his uh, thoughts as to law firm strategic planning have evolved. And he has really come around to the importance of keeping it simple, realistic, achievable, and in his firm's case, focusing on one major initiative. Um, so those are some thoughts as to... the the characteristics of a good plan. Certainly put it in writing. 
Um, put it in writing. Keep it simple, realistic, achievable. Share it. Update it. Um, get folks involved and engaged. Well, that pretty much summarizes our discussion today. Do you want to leave us with one final thought before we conclude? Well, I, I'll be up at uh, speaking at the conference in Toronto a little later this year and on this topic. Indeed you will. And would mm-hmm. en- encourage ALA members to, uh, to come by and participate in that session. should be great. We're going to use audience participation technology, uh, which is a lot of fun and gives you instant uh, benchmarking data you can take back to your firms. And as well, we have a treasure trove of resources on our website uh, called managingpartnerforum.org. There's a whole section on planning. Uh, where we have articles, white papers, books on this topic. And uh, so go take a look at that. And um, I think it comes down to the individual lawyer, individual lawyer plans, uh, Mm -hmm. practice group plans, firm-wide plans. Uh, But keep it simple. Keep it moving. Uh, You're running a business, not a fraternity. And a business plan is really important to running a successful business. And that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you to our guest, John Remsen, for your expertise on strategic planning. John will be a featured speaker at ALA's 2014 Annual Conference and Expositions Managing Partners Sessions, May 19th to the 22nd in Toronto, as well as a featured author for ALA's June 2014 issue of Legal Management. And thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Julie. Good to be with you.